Come and Play, a geeky, kinky podcast. Come and Play explores all things sex toys, kink, feminism, geek life, and gaming culture. My name is Elia Winters. And I'm Kismet Scribbles. And we're your hosts. It's been a little while since our last episode, which you might not know if you've been binging them. But it's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been a bit. It's been a bit. It's been so long. (laughs) We've been so busy, and we're going to catch you up to speed on everything we've been doing. Since the last episode, one of the biggest highlights is we got into Shibari. Yes. If you don't know what Shibari is, it is intricate rope bondage. We both had some previous interest in the subject. So we went to Dungeons and Geekdoms, and you went to some rope classes, right? Yes. I went to two different rope classes. One of them was a little bit more complicated. One of them was more of a beginner one. I had never had any experience with self-tying before, so after generally getting into rope a little bit more, we decided we wanted to both look into it and see if we could do some self-tying. Yes, because neither of us do a lot of rope play with our partners. Yes, and we are both strong, independent women, and we don't need no man to tie us up. We don't need no man. I can tie myself up. (laughs) There's somebody listening to this podcast right now going, why don't you just tie up each other? That's not our dynamic. We did that, though. We did do that, yeah. Yeah, in a platonic way where we were attempting to learn the ties. Exactly. Platonic bondage is just one of the things that we bring to this friendship. It's true. I did not take any classes on that topic at Dungeons and Geekdoms because I'd taken them before. And I did a lot of rope research back when I was writing Playing Naughty. That's Naughty with a K-N-O-T-T-Y, which I published a few years back with a Simon & Schuster imprint. And it's excellent, and you should go read it. Thank you. I love that book. That book still holds a dear place in my heart. But I did a lot of rope bondage research which consists of tying a lot of things. And I've been self-tying for years as part of my own kink and masturbation play, but without necessarily good technique. Like, I was always safe, but I wasn't using, like, fancy knots or anything like that. Yeah. My knowledge was pretty rudimentary. So we both discovered that in the process of doing rope work, that it has a very meditative quality for us. Yes. Self-tying for me doesn't have anything to do with the sexual component. It is completely about just doing things with my hands that are not sexual. <laughs> I do plenty of sexual things with my hands, <laughs> but self-tying, it's about the aesthetic and it's very centering Just focusing on what you're doing. Kind of, I'm sure, like knitting and crocheting can be for some people. Yeah, it's like human macrame. It is human macrame. (laughs) I, when I'm practicing new techniques, it's not explicitly sexual, even though I do use it frequently for sexual purposes. It is mostly that type of human macrame. And proof of concept. Like I see someone do something on a video and I want to be, I want to see if I can do that too. Yep. So about a week after Dungeons and Geekdoms, I was on FetLife and a local group posted that a really awesome rope instructor who does self-suspension instruction was going to be in Gloucester, Mass. So I contacted Kismet, who loves Gloucester, Mass. So much. So much. And said, hey, Devochka 
is coming to Gloucester, she's doing private lessons. Do you want to sign up for a semi-private lesson, just us, and learn to do some rope stuff? It was, it was so fun. Yeah. We had such a good time. We learned a ton in the span of time, and she was absolutely lovely. Yeah, she was brilliant, very helpful. We spent a lot of time on the basics. Um, she told us ahead of time that based on where we were in our level that we wouldn't be doing suspension stuff yet, which we both knew going into it. And our goal was to get functional chest harnesses under our belt and, you know, under our chest mm. so that we could someday move into suspension. Yep. So not only did we do the chest harnesses, but we also worked a little bit with Futumomo. And Isn't that the guy who made the um, the noodles? He made the ramen popular in New York. <laughs> oh no, that's Momofuku. <laughs> mm, noodles. <laughs> it's you know it's like rope. It is. I I know it's not Momofuku. <laughs> But I do like ramen, so... It's true. Yes, yeah, so we learned Futumomo, which is a leg tie to itself. Yeah, which you can do on yourself. Right. Everything we did was self-tie stuff. And we spent a lot of time practicing the basics of bolin knots. Yes. So we both had a decent grasp of Somerville bolin, but didn't have a lot of rope handling practice. So she had us practice with that. And she also taught us Portuguese bowling. Yeah. So we learned a couple of different bowling ties and practiced rope work. Which was really nice to get official instruction, to get more professional instruction on how to do those things. Because most of it I had looked up online how to do stuff and was, I think, doing it right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Having someone to go over the specific do's and don'ts and to even say it doesn't really matter what you do here as long as you close this knot, as long as you have a strong anchor here, as long as your rope lies flat here. And to say that it's free, you're free to experiment with a few core principles in mind, even with suspension. Yep. Another exciting thing that happened rope related for both of us is getting new rope. Yes. Since the last podcast. Yes. I had some really fun nylon synthetic rope through um, Agreeable Agony yep. in really bright, beautiful colors. If you follow me on Instagram, Elia Winter's author, then you can go back and see some of the ties I did with that. But we both invested in treated hemp rope from the Twisted Monk. It's lovely. It's such nice rope. I had a really hard time deciding what colors of ropes that I wanted. So I got a little array of several different kinds. But one of the things that made me really excited is that I could buy my rope in 40 foot lengths instead of 30 foot. Because 30 feet is not quite enough for me to do most of the ties because I am fat. And so I always end up having to attach another length of rope. And when I'm attaching another 30 foot length of rope, it kind of fucking sucks because I really only need like 10 more feet or five yep. more feet. Oh yeah. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. So I got two 40 foot lengths and two 15 foot lengths, which are good for just like adding on or for some basic ties. Yep. And I went with just 
basic black rope after some discussion with my fiance as to what colors we wanted to use. I figured we could start there. I am also very pale, so the contrast is quite nice. Yeah. But we got one of their bundles, which had, I think, two 30-foot sets, a 15, a set of EMT shears, and a DVD tutorial of things that I already knew how to do. Nice. That sounds good. Yep. I had already bought the EMT shears, but I spent a lot of money on rope. And since then, I haven't done a lot of tying. But the rope sits there, and I'm looking forward to tying again. I've just been fucking busy. I've been so busy. It's been insanely busy the last couple months, hence how it's taken so long for us to get this next podcast out. Yeah. So I want to talk about my writing, what's been going on with that. So I have this book, because I'm a writer and I do that, and... I have the second book in the Comes in Threes trilogy, and it has up until recently been called Threes the Charm. And it went through editing with my publishing house, and then they changed editors, and there was a shift in personnel. Nobody was fired, but people left. And when I got a new editor, she said, This book is not working. And she made some valid points. I had made some changes to fix earlier problems, but when I fixed those problems that had to do with pacing, some of the tension of the book, which had to do with like the buildup to that, when I moved those events up, the tension just dissipated. So all of a sudden there wasn't enough conflict to carry through the book. So I had to do a lot of replotting and long conversations with my editor to try and like rewrite this whole synopsis and a new blurb and what's this book going to be about and then rewrite the book from the middle of September through the end of October. I rewrote probably 50,000 words out of a 65,000 word book and I hope it's good. I sent it back to her on October 29th. A couple days early, which I was very proud of. And at the time of recording this podcast, she has not sent it back to me yet with edits. Which I'm fine with. Because right now, it's her problem. And when it comes back to me, (laughs) it'll be my problem again. (laughs) But damn, that was like one of the hardest things I've done. The rewrite itself wasn't too bad. But getting to the point where I could do it was really disheartening. Yeah, that's a pretty big blow to realize that you have to scrap so much and rewrite. So much. The things that mainly got kept were the best sex scenes. Which is like the last like 10% of the book or the last 15% of the <laughs> book is this one particular sequence of events. It isn't just all sex in that percentage. But that sequence like stayed the same with a little bit of internal dialoguing. And almost everything leading up to that point changed. I do not help at all with the writing of these books, but I'd like to think that I helped a little bit with offering Huga escapes when you were starting to get overwhelmed. Thank you. The (laughs) Huga has been wonderful this fall. It's been a very, I don't know, it's been a very cozy fall. Like, I mean, outside it's been shitty. Yeah. We've gone through all sorts of temperature weathers, apocalypse weather. 
Oh yeah, it's been completely insane this year. No, they threw out the playbook entirely on how nature is supposed to work. Yeah, we're just free forming these seasons. We're just just freewheeling, free fucking balling. jazz seasons. Yep, exactly. <laughs> just <laughs> improvisational weather. <laughs> yeah, New England. So it's raining right now, and it's like forty five degrees out there. Yeah, it was kind of nice out yesterday, and now it's balls freezing cold out and raining. Yeah. I appreciate that we can use balls hot and balls cold. Yep. Well, they're pretty good at temperature gauge, so... Yeah, it's testicular weather. Yeah. So, being cozy is important. Yes. And we have been cozy. Very. We have had a lot of tea. We've done our tea dates. Kismet and I do this thing where we go to Dobra Tea House. And Dobra's a chain. You might have one near you. And we do budget and finance. Yeah. Anytime that we're getting overwhelmed with budget stuff or mental health stuff, we go have a tea visit. And that's actually how it's brought up, too. One of us messages the other and is like, hey, I need I need a tea visit. Yep. <laughs> I need to go to Dobra. I've definitely done it to Kismet when I was like, I feel like my life is falling apart. Let's go for tea. <laughs> and we sit there and, and we talk through our problems and offer solutions and help the other person. The English are on to something. It feels so healthy. It does. <laughs> we're sitting there and we're like, look at us being good to our mental health and self-care. <laughs> and we order um, delicious teas and we order mochi and we drink tea and talk about our problems. And usually walk out feeling a lot better about a them. A lot better. And I also take a lot of baths. I've probably mentioned this. It's my favorite form of self-care. Last year, I think, I bought a 60-pack of bath bombs on Amazon for $99. And they're full-size bath bombs. They're not like the little puny ones. <laughs> And they're an assortment of, I almost said flavors. They are an assortment of <laughs> scents. Don't eat your bath bombs, kids. This was a good decision because I will pay three to six dollars per bath bomb, but to get them for like a dollar fifty a piece. Oh, yeah, that's a good deal. I'm still working off of this multi pack. They came in a giant box from Amazon. <laughs> it was massive. And then just, just a whole full of bath bombs. Can you imagine if that box had been left out in the rain? Oh, I was so worried about that. <laughs> They've all been wrapped in plastic, but. It would have been way funnier if I just came home and they're just sizzling their way down the sidewalk. <laughs> I mean, I would have been really sad. It's $100. I'm hoping to relocate in the next year or so. And I have two non-starters when it comes to finding a place to live. One of them is I would prefer not to get shot and or mugged on my way in and out of my house. All right. that's That seems reasonable. The other, if it doesn't have a bathtub... Fuck it. I am not moving in. Because you don't have a bathtub right now. I do not. She have... washes with a bucket and a rag. It's true. I just go out and back and I spray myself with the hose. <laughs> There's somebody right now who has that as a kink. <laughs> they just Excellent. started stroking it off right now. Sorry. We have a walk-in shower and I would love to be able to use bath bombs and I just can't. Nope. 
You just can't. I mean, I suppose I could sit there and just let it fizz in my hands and cry. No, you can't. It's a sad bomb. Whenever Kismet house sits for me, she, I just leave her the bath bombs. Yep. I take so many baths when I'm over here. Now, I don't fit great in my tub. Like, I mean, I fit in it, but I can't, like, soak and luxuriate. I don't give a shit. I just get in that tub and stay there. Yeah. Today was so cold and raw and gray, and it smelled like winter. It did. I actually kind of really like it. Oh, yeah, I do too. There's nothing wrong with it. I was not prepared for it. Right. <laughs> I had a half day of work today, so I got to come home at 1 o'clock, and I took a 1 o'clock hot bath. Oh, my God, that sounds so nice. It was amazing. I just sat there in the bathroom in my hot tub with my bath salts like this is the not life. those type of bath salts no no i did not take the drugs don't take bath salts kids this is just full of psas it really is this is just an educational podcast it is we provide a service we do i am always tempted when i click the category on soundcloud to click education instead of entertainment because i feel like we provide both i we do there's so much education if you have learned something from our podcast i think you should write into us and let us know what you learned please please write into us come and play podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you maybe we'll read your letter on the air you could also uh tag me on twitter at elia winters you could also tag me on twitter at kismet scribbles yeah she'll even check it eventually yep I'm on there more than I post, actually. Yeah, you're just the silent lurker in the background. Mm -hmm. That's on that's brand true. for me. No, it's totally. That's definitely on brand. She would be silent and stare at me a lot more if I didn't make her talk on this podcast. It's true. <laughs> that's not true. You contribute actively. Uh, so we've been very Huga. We actually made ourselves cups of salted caramel hot cocoa to record this podcast. Because nothing goes great with verbal podcasting as much as dairy. Yep, a fuck ton of dairy. <laughs> a fuck ton of dairy. This type of weather always makes me want to cook. Oh, yeah. I want to make all of the crock pot things, all of the stick to your bones, beef stews and chilies and soups. and. I want you to make all those things. Yeah. My husband made a soup this past weekend while we were in New York. We'll talk about that either in this podcast or another podcast. <laughs> and he made a cheddar cheese based potato and um, I think it's linguisa or bratwurst and stout soup. Anyway, mm. there's like beer and cheese and meat in a soup. Which... What else do you need? It's true. And you might be like, why are we talking about food and soups? Well, you know what? Her husband's soups are damn near pornographic, so it's completely on brand. Yes, I would fuck the soup if it weren't so unsanitary and if it didn't preclude me from then eating it. This is, yeah. This is also someone's kink. <laughs> Someone else has just, <laughs> just dropped trow at the thought of somebody fucking a soup. This is these the, these are strange times in which we live, Kismet. <laughs> I love baking this time of year. 
Yeah, um, Kismet makes a really good chili. She, everything you make is good. Thank you. Yeah, you just like, we got, <laughs> we got her an Instapot for some holiday, right? Yeah, it was last year for Christmas. Okay, yes, we, we got her an Instapot for Christmas. And she's like, this is way too generous a gift, guys. We're like, no, you're going to fucking bake us some food in it. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, there you go, bitch. Cook us a stew. Completely fair. (laughs) It makes really good stew, by the way. Yeah. There's a recipe that's very easy to find online. It's like world's best instant pot stew. And it is really fucking good. So you should definitely try it. We should not record these podcasts before dinner. No, we're waiting for food to come. And we're just sitting here talking about food. Yeah, that's, I don't know, that's also on brand for us. We could just have a podcast where we talk about food. We should have an offshoot podcast about food. I feel like this whole podcast is an offshoot podcast. <laughs> right in and let us know if you would listen to an offshoot podcast about us talking about food. <laughs> We'll just eat it. We'll just eat it on the air. It's going to be an ASMR podcast. That makes me so uncomfortable. (laughs) I've talked on this podcast. There's an episode that's like, tie me up, tie me down, but don't chew next to me. Because (laughs) I have um, misophonia. And the sounds of people eating makes me rage stabby. Even people I love. Even kismet. I try to be very conscious of when I'm eating of not making disgusting food noises. And I try to be conscious of the fact that I'm being an irrational cunt bubble (laughs) to not want people to sound like they're eating when they're eating. (laughs) But the idea of ASMR and just listening close up to other people making food noises, I think that that's how murder happens. (laughs) I would murder people. I'm not going to murder people. Don't murder people, children. Stay in school. (laughs) I don't know why I keep addressing children. Children, don't listen to this podcast. No. Another PSA. This is terribly inappropriate. Who's letting you do this? Wherever your parents are, they don't love you. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess we're all children in some way. Yeah. But not in the DDLG way. No. I know that's some of your kinks, and that's okay. It's just yep. not ours. It's not yeah. even, like, a really weird kink, as kinks go. Again, we've this is, like, the review episode, because, again, we've already talked about this. Keep your daddy dick away from me. It's, it's fine for you if you want that, but keep your daddy dick away from me. Yep. Oh, the, the baking has been... The baking has been prolific. Yes. I've been baking a fuck ton. I've been baking like an Amish person. <laughs> this entire fall we went apple picking granted i went apple picking on a freakishly hot day it was like 90 degrees and i was apple picking That's it horrible. was terrible but it was the last day we were going to get a chance to go so there's all these great pictures of me in a tank top picking apples that's somebody else's kink and <laughs> a, a bushel of apples did we even bring in a bushel how many pecks are in a bushel i don't know what's the bag um, I have no Is that idea. a half a peck? Maybe. Who the fuck named this? It doesn't make any sense. It, it's the stupid imperial measurement system. Feet, inches, well, pecks. I mean, I know how many dicks are in a bushel of dicks. You looked this up. I did. How did you compute it? Uh, we compared it to cucumbers. All right. English or regular? I think they were regular okay. cucumbers. That's generous. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it was like 36 point something. So when you tell someone to go eat a bushel of dicks. It's like 36 point something dicks. If anyone wants yeah. to do the math for this, please go for it. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes of Silicon Valley, which is a show on HBO, happens at the end of season one. Silicon Valley, is a, it's a really smart tech show. And it has some problematic aspects toward women, which I think it has actually done a pretty nice job rectifying over the following seasons. But at the end of season one, there's an episode where a character makes an offhanded remark about, in order for me to win this contest, I would have to jerk off every guy in the audience. And because they're tech and math nerds, and this is totally something we would do, mm -hmm. they start saying, well, how long would that take? How could you figure out how long would it take you to jerk off every guy in that audience? So then they're, they're figuring out how, like the, um, what the equation would be and how many dicks he could jerk off at any one time. And the angle at which you're jerking them off to jerk off the, the optimum amount of dicks right. per number amount of time. Yes, and they determine that it's not height, but the D to F ratio, the dick to floor ratio, <laughs> that they would need to determine, and that the dicks would have to have an optimal angle, and also girth would definitely make a difference. <laughs> and then they come up with the idea of that he can jerk off four dicks at once if they stand tip to tip and hot swap in each dick as the guy comes. And that actually becomes a significant plot point in the last episode, but it is a it is an episode I could rewatch endlessly because the seriousness with which they take solving this problem and the like equations they write on the board, that's that's something I would love. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did I show you the, uh, the the chicken wing problem? Oh yes, with the the menu. <laughs> yeah, there's. I'll, I'll put this in the show notes. By the way, I'll also put a link to the Silicon Valley clip in the show notes if it exists online. I'm sure it does. Some restaurant. I think it was a, a Chinese food restaurant in New York, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. They posted a menu for the pricing for their chicken wings, and it's like each individual wing had a pricing. So there's a price for one wing, two wing, three wing, four wing, all the way up to 200 wings. And they didn't make a logical sense. Like they didn't, there didn't seem to be a, like a constant price increase. So people were creating graphs and formulas to compute the optimal number of chicken wings to purchase for your price. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. We just went really far from that packs and bushels of dicks. We were talking about baking. <laughs> this is, you chose this listener. Bring it around, bring it around, bring it on, wheel that around. It's like I'm making a U-turn in a bus, bringing it back. I picked a lot of apples. It was one of those bags full, and my husband picked a bag full too. He picked a bag full plus all the ones he could pile on top and wobble back to the car. Well, yeah, as long as the bag doesn't break, they're all in the bag. It's fair, yes. And since the bag doesn't have a lid, really anything above it is can be considered in the bag. Yeah. So then I had to bake with all these apples. Oh, the horror. <laughs> I love baking. 
Now, leading up to this, I spent quite a bit of the end of my summer and the beginning of my fall watching The Great British Baking Show. And this just ties into everything. It ties, well, not the bushel of dicks, but it is just a Hugo-based show. It's so pleasant, and the people are so nice, and they just bake. There's no horrible drama. Yeah, none of the really climactic bullshittery of American baking shows where they do quick cuts to make it look like someone is like way more behind than they are or they totally freak out about like it seems like everyone's constantly ruining something yeah I don't really know like I watched one the other day and this woman was just sprinting across the kitchen to go put batter into like cupcakes or something like that and she like Looney Tunes-esque slipped and the batter just like flew up and went everywhere oh my and gosh. it's just it's very nerve-wracking and the great british baking show is not that it's so calm and i don't need my baking shows to be stressful no like i don't i don't watch a baking show with the same adrenaline expectations as like a tom clancy film <laughs> or mission impossible like i don't want to worry if they're gonna live <laughs> And the Great British Baking Show is just delightful. So I watched all the seasons and then also watched the Masterclass episodes, which are where the two judges, Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry, make the things that they had set for the, um, for the contestants to make and show you how they're actually supposed to be made. So this led me into a long string of baking. And I made a bunch of apple things. Yup. You got to eat some of those apple things. I did. And they were delicious. Tell us about your experiences eating the food I cook. Well, one of the delicious foods that was cooked were turnovers from scratch. And they came out of the oven and we ate so many of them. <laughs> and we left like two for her husband. Was, we... <laughs> was this the day we were supposed to record this podcast? Yes, it was. And then just ate turnovers and did nothing? <laughs> Yes, it was. <laughs> I made the rough puff pastry from scratch, like freezing, like shaving the butter and then freezing it and then working it into the dough. It was, I was so proud. I ate like full on six turnovers in the span of like two hours. <laughs> and then she could not turn over. Nope. <laughs> I made the apple compote. Oh, I was real proud of those. I made a lot of pies. Mm. I have a good pie recipe, and I found lard in our grocery store. The town where I live has a large Latino population, and lard is more common in Latino cooking. A lot of ethnic cooking uses lard more than the Americans. And they tend to bring it out around Christmas, especially because people make pies, but lard makes the best pies. You would think that lard would be more prevalent in American cooking. <laughs> you would think so. But here's the thing about us. We lie to ourselves as a country about food and its value. And then we just shame eat horrible things. It's true. We eat delicious things. Yes. We try to not shame eat. We just eat. Oh, yeah. We, in case we you are haven't very, picked up on that. We are so food positive. 
I don't want to feel bad about eating delicious things. And I don't care if you don't agree with that. My grandmother, bless her soul, was on a diet for like her entire adult life. That's no way to live. Yeah, I mean, I think she was in a diet till she went in the nursing home. You're not going to get thinner. No. Okay, you might a little bit, but I'd, I'm going to stay fat and eat good food. Yep. In moderation. Yeah. There's a difference between being healthy and being skinny. You can yes. be skinny and not be healthy. You can be fat and be healthy. It's true. Yeah, and there's more and more studies coming out about that in support of that. You don't eat six turnovers every day. No, I would not. PSA, children, <laughs> do not eat six turnovers in the space of like an hour and a half. <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> they were good. I have a good pie crust recipe. I made a few different apple pies, fed them to my students, ate them at home, gave some away. Oh, I made cream puffs. Which were also from delicious. From scratch. I even made the whipped cream. I wanted to go to the Big E, which is the big fall carnival thing we have here. It's actually like the biggest state fair in the country. It's a multi-state fair, the eastern states. And they have these cream puffs that they sell as their signature dish. They just have a ton of food, but they also have the cream puffs. And I couldn't get to the Big E the weekend I wanted to go. So I said, I can make cream puffs. I've made um, pas de choux before. I've made choux pastry. So I looked up a recipe and made myself some cream puffs. And they were fucking glorious. I liked your cream puffs better than Big E cream I, puffs. I actually went to the Big E the next weekend and found that mine compared favorably. So I'm pretty impressed. You've got to make them and eat them the same night, though. Yeah, they never keep as well. They, you really have to, I mean, you have to eat them all at once. You do. Yeah. I should have made them today. I have whipping cream in the fridge and everything. You mean we could have been grossly eating cream puffs at our listeners and we're not? <laughs> we could have been. Oh, that's so tragic. We've spent so much time talking about... Nothing that we normally talk about in this podcast. <laughs> you have to understand we have a list of topics that we created and we're um, quite a ways in and have covered almost none of this. <laughs> That's on brand. That's on brand. Um, we were talking about things we were busy with. Oh, you know, I can check off a few of these. We talked about a few of these. So we've been busy and what have you been doing? I have been just eyeballs deep in inktober yes. up until recently i have done so much more this year than i did last year which i'm super stoked about and the overall quality of everything that i turned around this year was a lot better from the get-go i feel like it was a very very successful inktober this year and it makes me hopeful for next year because i said this last year but i am going to attempt to keep up with it now that i have <laughs> That's good. Do you have a commissions page? I don't. <laughs> okay. We had somebody contact Kismet about doing a commission and said, hey, so I listened to your podcast and heard that I'm supposed to shame you about doing commissions and getting a page up. Does yep. that work? <laughs> well, it still hasn't worked. So please keep messaging Kismet. It's yep. Kismet Scribbles on Instagram. That's Kismet with a Y. <laughs> Tell her you'd like some commissions and look at her great work on Instagram. You did so such great art. I loved looking at it. I did some awesome quirky things and 
some of my favorites were the D&D inspired pieces. I posted a picture of a baby cockatrice for the, the prompt chicken, which was based on our D&D. We've never told the story. We've never told the story. Okay, so. We've been in a D&D campaign for, since we've been young. friends. Yeah. The first time we met was to roll up our characters. And it's it's slowly coming back from a hiatus. <laughs> but we have this character. Was it Nachi? I think it was Nachi. So Nachi the monk who found a giant cockatrice egg. If you don't play D&D, a cockatrice is like a nightmare monster chicken. <laughs> and if they peck you, they turn you to stone. And that's it. Like, there's no cure. You don't yeah. get unpetrified. Right? I don't think so. No, uh, you, you just... have, Or it's complete... It's a p- complete pain in the ass to become unpetrified, if you can even do it. That's probably the DM's call as I to whether so. you can unpetrify someone. But because we had killed this egg's mother, the monk was apparently, like, honor-bound to do no harm and decided to put it in his backpack and carry it with him like a horrible Tamagotchi for quite a while. A long time. And our DM behind the scenes, which we did not know, is contacting all these various D&D groups on Reddit to be like, has anyone hatched a cockatrice? And no one had. (laughs) So he had to like extrapolate from information in the monster manual how this creature would work because you've got to know that it hatched. (laughs) We're going through, I think we were climbing a rope in the campaign and the DM rolls dice and says, Nachi, you feel a shuddering noise. You feel a shuddering from your backpack. And we went, oh my God, drop it. Drop the egg. He didn't, we hatched it. What was its name? Sheldon. Sheldon. Oh, God. Tell us some more about Sheldon the cockatrice. Um, he ran around with our campaign for long enough that we created a little clay figurine for him. And some of the highlights of Sheldon's life were when he randomly would enter battle and peck enemies and turn them to stone mid-battle. There was also a time when we were getting attacked. We were trying to go across some water. We had to cross this underground lake. And Sheldon wanted none of this. So we had to, without getting pecked, tie him with a rope and drag him through the water, wherein several of us almost drowned. Yes, but he made it through. Yeah. We had him for a, for a long time. A good long time before he became Kentucky Fried Cockatrice. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a fireball and two members of our party died. Yeah. The cleric and Sheldon, the cockatrice. Yep. So in in his memory for the chicken prompt of Inktober, I decided to draw what I think a baby cockatrice would look like. Which I'd seen someone else draw one, and it really looked probably, it looked more like a a very newborn chick would look, which is completely disgusting. Mm -hmm. Like most newborn things. Like, yeah. 
So I decided to draw the cockatrice from the cute fluffy stage that most birds have. And it's equal parts adorable and just horrifying. It's so angry. It's so angry. It has little bat wings and it's just filled with cuteness and rage. Yep. So after I posted that, within several hours, I had multiple D&D Instagrams begin following me. <laughs> Cute and full of rage. I know someone like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so Inktober, you did a lot of drawing. Yes. I am very glad that it's over because it's been taking up a ton of my time. But I did just buy myself some really nice markers mm. to hopefully help myself keep going with it and uh, not let those skills get rusty. No, don't want rusty skills. Because I feel like I started out from a better place even than I started out last year. Though I was not as active with my art this past year as I would have liked, I definitely started off um, from a technically better skill set than I had. It's like writing. It's like all types of art. Anything that requires time, you don't lose those hours. Like any time put in builds your skill base regardless of what you do with the product. The yeah. act of creating is equally valuable. Yeah. Which brings me to NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo. It's National Novel Writing Month. It's November. I have been participating in NaNo for, this is year 18 for me. Oh my gosh. I did it the first year that it went national, that it became bigger than just this guy's friends of friends in California. So the first year it went coast to coast. There were, uh, I think, 5,000 of us who did it, and I was one of them. My college friend, Marisa Wolf, came to me and said, Elia, you are the only person I know crazy enough to do this with me. But I just heard about this challenge where you write a 50,000-word novel in a month, and I want to do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. She is also now published, too, by the way. She awesome. co-writes some really awesome science fiction and fantasy books. Ooh, nifty. Yeah. Um, so I'll link to her. She doesn't even know she's getting a shout-out, but she started me on the nano path. So this is year 18, and I now don't stress about the rule. It's kind of a guideline where you start fresh with a new novel on November 1st and only count the words for that novel. Since I started publishing, I use NaNo for whatever I need to be working on with writing projects. So sometimes I'll do, like, I'll count edits that I'm doing on one novel. I count the words that I add and original fiction as well. I don't count blog posts. I don't count newsletters. I don't count any of my nonfiction. Yeah. I only count my fiction. So this month, because my editor has my book, thank God, you can keep it, Heather. Just hang on to it for a while. I am writing erotic shorts for the whole month. So I've been writing the Alice Tales. They're the ones that follow up the cocktail party story, yep. which is available on um, Prolific Works, which used to be Insta Freebie. It's a newsletter sign up. Sign up for my newsletter. Get my free book. It was a really good short. Thank you. So I'm continuing the adventures of Alice and I'm just writing fun and they are 
tawdry as fuck. <laughs> and really fun to write. I'm on Alice 4 right now. They're roughly about 7,000 words each. And I'm going to sell those motherfuckers. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go with Amazon or if I'm going to go with Smashwords or if I'm going to do a little bit of both. The Zon has been cracking down on its erotica. Mm. But nothing that I'm putting in there, like, it's not pseudo-incest, which is the big thing they're cracking down on. Okay, yeah, I was about to ask what exactly they were cracking down on. Yeah. Um, so, like, stepdad or, like, stepsister, like, those things where you're not, le- you're not really, it's not really incest, but it's close. So they're cracking down on that. If this was a visual medium, you would see my squick face right now. It's a high-selling... It's not my kink, but it sells. Like, it's a high-selling genre. I don't doubt it, but it's definitely a squick. It's not my thing. Um, they apparently don't mind tentacles as long as it's not a real creature. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to that in the future, because I only write alien tentacle scenes, really. I like that they make that distinction. Right, as long as it's fictional. Don't (laughs) write about actually fucking an octopus. That's not cool. That's bestiality. It's true. PSA, octopodes cannot consent. That's true. Although, really, if any creature could, an octopode probably could. Probably. Yeah, um, octopuses, they are very smart. But mm. they don't communicate with us. No. So no... Yet. Ten- not yet. No tentacle fucking. Yet. However, I got to do some tentacle fucking lately. <laughs> <laughs> if you read the blog, you probably saw my recent review of the tentacle hentai dildo from Geeky Sex Toys. Did you read my review? I did not read it yet. Oh, man. You would like this one. <laughs> you would also like this tentacle. You That isn't really your kink, but it's a fun toy. Oh, no. It is definitely one of my kinks. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I share it with other friends, and I lose track. I don't always enter my conversations with, so are you the friend of mine who's really into tentacle fucking? <laughs> which, which one of my friends? It's several of you. A lot of our kinks overlap. It's true. I got this, uh, I contacted Geeky Sex Toys. They're an Australian company. They're a small company, just a couple people. They hand make all their own toys. And their branding just overlaps perfectly with mine. It's their sex toys for nerds. So they overlap pop culture with really fun sex items. <laughs> I've mentioned them in past podcasts because they have the whole line of the orgasms of the galaxy. And they have like all the, the yes, they have the Guardians themes. They have Dick Pool instead of Deadpool. <laughs> I don't remember what they call the Avengers, but I'm sure it's something good. But I just remember like, our discussion about fucking Mjolnir. Yeah. Because they have the Mjolnir dildo. Oh my God. They have the infinity fist also. (laughs) So if that's your thing. Can we take a moment to talk about how honored Deadpool would be to have a dildo that was specifically a Deadpool dildo? Yeah, there's multiple ones. There's a few (laughs) different ones. I think he would love that. He would be, he'd own all of them. He would. I honestly think Ryan Reynolds would own all of them. I, I think, I think Ryan Reynolds probably owns all of them. <laughs> Bold of you to assume in this our year. <laughs> the year of our Lord, 2018. <laughs> that Ryan Reynolds does not own every single one of those dildos. 
You do you. And I think he would take that to its extreme. Are we going to get sued for libel? (laughs) If it was anyone else, I'd say maybe. Right, but not him. (laughs) they They asked me what I would be interested in reviewing. And I asked for two things. I asked for the tentacle hentai dildo. And I asked for the pride dildo. And I now have reviews up for both of them on my website. You can check those out in the show notes. Or just, you know, go to eliawinters.com. They're very recent reviews. The, the tentacle dildo is so fun. They let me pick my color combination. They hand pour them. So I chose blue and green, which felt like a very tentacly color. Yeah. And it has a very narrow tip and a very wide base and a raised surface like little suction cups. Mm-hmm. And the bottom is concave, so you can use the bottom as a suction cup. So does you it can function well it. as a suction cup? It, it does. I have not fucked it when it is mounted to a uh, surface. However, I have stuck it to various things to see how it would hold. And it holds quite well. Nice. It's decently heavy, so I wouldn't be confident sticking it to a wall and expecting the suction to hold up. But if you're just like sticking it to a chair or something where it just um, the pressure is only vertical and not horizontal, yeah, I think it would work just great. I also learned that because it's flexible enough, I can angle the body of the toy because it's long, and so I can like actually stimulate the outside area as well as the inside area at the same time with the same tentacle. Ooh. Two for one. It's great. Plus, it's a big tentacle. Yeah. It's real cute. I mean, it's practically coffee table decor. Hmm. I'd like to think instead of decorative fruit that someday you'll just have just a bowl of dildos. Yes. Sitting on your coffee table. You say someday as if I couldn't literally do that. Well, you could right now. You literally could go in the other room and... I mean, you have enough to fill, like... A basket. Giant wash bins. A like bushel? A, a bushel. A bushel of dicks. I'm sure you have a bushel of dicks in there. I probably do. You have at do. least a peck. I do. <laughs> 36 and a third? I don't that think I have 36 funny. dildos. I, you're not far off. I filled that shoe organizer. I, I've got... I probably have a dozen. You have more than a dozen. I don't know if I have more than a dozen. Are we counting the glass ones? Yeah, we're going to count all of the... Anything you shove in your hoo-ha, that's what we're going to count as... Oh my gosh, that's a really broad category. Things I shove in my (laughs) hoo-ha that are intended to be shoved in your hoo-ha. The the ones that are specifically made for that. Not the DIY versions? No. So does it count if it's like an attachment for my Hitachi that like... It's like a cap that has like a wand thing attached to it? I'm going to say no. Okay. On that. What about... If it's one of those, like, U-shaped ones, like the Wii Vibe, that part of it goes in my vagina, but the other half sits outside. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it counts as half. A half. Mm -hmm. That's a half a dildo. Yeah. (laughs) Should we go and count them and then return to this podcast? All right, stay tuned. Okay, so we counted. It's more than 12. Yep. (laughs) It's... If we count the little half and half ones as half, it is, oh no, there's one I missed. Okay, 
27 and one half dildos. <laughs> so if a bushel of dicks is 36 and a half, then I have roughly two thirds of a bushel of dicks. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I'm not going to count the decorative corn that my husband collects and displays around the house. Because I don't fuck any of that. Well, if we start getting into do-it-yourself dildos... No, then... no, we'll be here all night. Yeah. I mean, really, how many things in this house have I not fucked? That's the question. I mean, it really just depends on how bad you want it. It's true. Anything can be a dildo if you believe in yourself. <laughs> PSA. Make sure that what you're shoving up your hoo-ha is safe to shove up your hoo-ha and or other parts. That's true. I've probably thrown out at least that many in my life. This is before I knew that you could recycle sex toys. I didn't know you could recycle sex you toys. You can. Actually, if you Google how to recycle sex toys, there's a company that comes up right away and they will take your toys and melt them down and repurpose them into other things. Interesting. I don't, I don't know what. Huh. Bible covers. <laughs> Sure. They then send you a Bible because you need Jesus. Yep. I wonder if it's like one of those things where if you have enough to donate to Goodwill, they bring you a truck. <laughs> you, would, you would need a truck. <laughs> they show up at the front door and it's like, we take your dicks or like dick cycle. And they're like bringing out crates of them into the just flopping all over the place oh my God. in the front of my condo building. <laughs> they, they load the ramp. They have to have, bring those workers that have, like, a full dolly and they're wearing weightlifting belts. I'm just imagining one of the crates falling and all of the vibrators just buzzing away along the pavement. <laughs> and some big burly work dude just chasing after them. <laughs> That's, there we go. How are you going to top that? I had forgotten to count the pulsators that I have when I was mentally imagining all the dildos that I own. So that's what I blame for some of my miscounting. Oh, there was another one in that drawer that we didn't see that I just remembered. Okay, 28.5. I'm continuing to remember hidden dildos. Where are all your hidden dicks? <laughs> it was clear. And it's like in a, it's like in one of the bags. Like, tucked in the back, one of the bags has more than one of them. She's giving me this look of horror. Really, this? This is the line that, this, I, that I missed one? That your home is some sort of hidden pictures of dicks? <laughs> that there's just, it's like those children's books, and the further, the closer you look, the more dicks you see just randomly out in the middle. What kind of children's books are you reading? <laughs> You remember those fucking hidden picture things? I do, but they're all dicks. But they're all dicks. It's just a picture of my room, and you have to spot the kinky spot items. All the dicks. It's like I remember that guy whose picture went viral because he sent his mom a picture of like his girlfriend oh. sitting in bed, and they left like the rope bondage stuff hanging on the headboard. Yup. Yup. Sometimes I worry because I have so much like dick related paraphernalia that it just becomes invisible to me. And I'm worried that somebody's going to come over and I'm just going to have like a whole rack of kink implements just sitting there just waiting. 
So that's like your version of like the nightmare of you like walking into class naked. I have just like someone, someone coming into your house and just all of your bondage shit is just out on the couch. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. When my mother-in-law came over for a holiday dinner, um, my husband made me take all of the kink stuff off of the coat rack that we have in the bedroom. I have one of those wall racks that has all the hooks on it and it's beautiful. It's decorative raw iron and it's just covered in floggers and cuffs and paddles. <laughs> it's pretty and He's awesome. like, put all that away. I'm like, she's not going to come in our bedroom. He's like, she might. And it, it's true that she might have. So I put it all away. One time while I was not home, my sister decided that she was going to raid my collection of nail polishes because she wanted to do her nails. She chose the wrong drawer. Oh. Yeah, you can't can't take that knowledge back. Yeah, no. When I came home a little later on, she was sitting there and she's like, yeah, I found your uh, Fifty Shades of Grey drawer. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, my sweet summer child, you think you found all of it. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. I read a story of some celebrity, and I don't remember which one it was, but if I can find the story, I'll put it in the show notes, that her friend had sent her a gag gift of, like, a box of 50 butt plugs. It was, like, a whole collection of bulk butt plugs. And she got it while she was, like, filming on location somewhere, and she was staying in a hotel, and house cleaning came when she wasn't expecting it, and they, like, arranged them. line up neatly that is amazing well this is like when i was at rwa a couple years ago and i had all of my um kink stuff i didn't have all my kink stuff (laughs) um i was at okay so i was at the romance writers of america national conference which that year was in new york and i was a finalist for my first book which was purely professional And I was a finalist nationwide for Best Erotic Romance and Best First Book. It was a huge honor. So I had copies of the book that I was signing. And I also was making little keychains to give away. And they were little macrame keychains of, like, it's a monkey's fist knot. So it looks like a little rope ball. And they're very cool. They make really cute keychains. They're very cute. It was something nice for me to do, like, with my hands while I was bored. And I made a ton of these keychains to give away. So I had a whole bunch of paracord. And I also had my dildo. I say my like I don't have 28 and a half of them. (laughs) I had one of them that I brought with me on this trip. And fortunately, it was clean and just there. But I definitely was not expecting housekeeping to come at four in the afternoon, which is when I left the hotel room for the evening. And I had a stack of books with a woman in bondage on the cover. I had a pile of rope and a sex toy. And as I returned to my room that night, the housekeeping staff was leaving my room. Oh, God. And this woman looks at me and just turns her head aside and starts laughing to herself and ducks into the housekeeping closet. And I knew that I had been had. (laughs) (laughs) 
Did I ever tell you that story? You did not. I'm going back to RWA in New York this summer. I entered my most recent book, Three Way Split, in the Rita Awards. Oh, nice. I really want to final in the Rita Awards. Not just because it's a sales boost and it gives me some recognition, but because I got to wear a gown. Not like a pretty (laughs) black cocktail dress, but like a gown. I rented it. And I looked gorgeous. You did. It was super fun. Now I actually have some friends in New York. So I'll just bring a whole contingent of people to that party. I won't find out till March. Back to dildos. (laughs) Um, You recently have gotten on board the Pulsator train. Yes, I recently made a sizable sex toy purchase. Did you purchase a sizable sex toy? Oh, I did. (laughs) Not nearly as sizable as they can get, but I got a Pulsator by Fun Factory, the Stronic G. And it is, it is lovely. Mm -hmm. It... We've talked about pulsators a little bit on the podcast before. Let's talk about them again. Let's let's talk about them again. People don't listen to this shit in order. This is true. For somebody, this is their first episode. <laughs> They're like, what the hell did I sign on for? God bless you. Thanks for sticking around this long. Mm-hmm. We're a ways into this and you're just committed. Yep. You're one <laughs> of us now. <laughs> so it doesn't vibrate. What it does is it use, uses magnets and it... Sticks to your fridge. It sticks to your fridge <laughs> in quite a lovely fashion. It actually would. It it probably yeah it would. Yeah, it, it definitely it's would. picked up magnetic things in my drawer before. Don't bring it near like your hard drive and stuff. No. Make sure you keep your your hard drive well away when you're watching porn while you're wanking. Yes, for your pro hard... tip. Pro tip. <laughs> when you're engaging in the hard drive, keep it away from the hard drive. <laughs> So it uses magnets. Yes, it uses magnets to create more of a thrusting movement rather than like a vibration. And I particularly like the Stronic G because of the way that it's shaped. Because it's got a kind of a, like an indentation which creates almost like a head. Which is lovely for G-spot stimulation. And I wasn't sure if I was going to like it. But it was something that seemed like it would really be... I, I don't really like vibrators internally. I have a lot of handheld vibrators, but I have a really good quality Fun Factory vibrator. I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head right now. And I don't really use it all that much because I just don't find that it really does anything for me. Which, what's it look like? Um, It is... It's got like ridges. It's not one of the it's not one of the small ones. It's one of like the dildo vibrator okay. versions. Um it's or no, it's it's got like that head to it almost too. Okay. Um so I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but I like it, but I definitely can't get off with that one. Mm-hmm. And the concept of a, a toy that was a thrusting toy sounded a lot more like something I would be into. So it is not cheap. Nope. It is like $200 worth of sex toy. Yep. But it is worth every penny. It's $200 worth of sex toy. It is absolutely. Throw some on some, throw on some hentai and <laughs> just good to go. 
There you have it. There folks. you have it. Um, because I find if I'm if I'm too much into the the motion myself of like the the in and out motion, I'm too much in my head doing that to focus on coming. So in in the history of TMI things you've learned about me, this is one of them. So the sex toy that does most of the work is just is awesome. Yeah. I would love to try an actual fucking oh machine. Oh my god, yes. They're all sold by companies that seem questionable. <laughs> There are a lot of information kits online for how to build your own with a Sawzall. There's a, yeah, it's very common. <laughs> it's a conversion kit. They call it the fuck saw. Oh my God. You can also build them with a bicycle flywheel. There's so much information on DIY sex toys. Don't tell that to my fiance. Don't tell him that he can convert something like that into a fuck machine. Are you looking for a craft project? Do you want something to use that home workshop and also bring something valuable to the ones you love? Have you considered build your own fuck saw? With Sears going out of business, there is a great discount on all sorts of power tools, and most of them can be used on your genitals. Makes a great Christmas toy. <laughs> Give one to all your family members. Oh my, God. <laughs> my next goal is to write to companies until I found, find someone who will send me a fucking machine to try. I did write to Sibian. Because Sibian, they're a different type of fucking machine. It's not going to be a thrusting machine. It's the vibrating joy saddle. Mm. But I would love to try a Sibian also. They're yeah. very expensive. And I don't know if any company would trust me with a very expensive item. <laughs> they're like, we've listened to your podcast. You're weird. But I, I, I still hold out hope. Yeah, I would love to try a fucking machine. Everything about that just... It pushes so many buttons. Oh, yeah. There's a reason why the Alice stories are heavily denial and chastity and fucking machines. Because those are my favorite things. And it's hard to find really enjoyable erotic stories that feature those things. It's true. It's very, very true. It's honestly harder than you would think to find hentai that deals with those things, too. Yeah. So, in the great spirit of be the change you want to see in the world... <laughs> Oh, that's Gandhi. I don't think he'd appreciate this. I'm writing my own stories. My other craft thing that I would love to like, oh, we're going to go TMI here. So I have all kinds of like um, chastity kinks, but I don't really want to get a chastity belt because they're, they're very unhygienic for women. Mm. They're not super practical. I'm going to be hard to fit. Somebody would probably send me one for review, and maybe at some point I'll get one. But there's so many moving parts that I wouldn't enjoy. However, I really want to try and make a clit shield. Huh. Which, they're made for horizontal hood piercings, not for vertical hood piercings. But I have theories that it is possible to, like, make one with the right design setup. I've heard of someone on FetLife who made one with... The, um, the end of a teaspoon and like did some work from that. 
I um, have a theory that sugru, which is the stuff that hardens into rubber, could mm. be used for something similar like that. So this might be my kink craft project of winter break, is to try and see if I can like make something like that. Interesting. And then I'll, of course, update you, because you're the podcast audience, and you never know what you signed on for. for. Oh, speaking of other things you didn't know you signed on for... Stay tuned because I'm going to be getting and reviewing a bidet. What can you add to that? <laughs> um, I have, I've always been interested and never thought that I would really try one. Um, this is what's wrong with America. It is. We're the, yeah. we're like the only civilized country in the world that doesn't use these. Yeah. I mean, they're all over and they save so much paper. Yeah. And from what I've heard, they're quite lovely. Yes. I've heard that you don't go back once you've tried them and gotten accustomed to using them. That's correct. I felt like it's pretty adjacent to my brand to talk about bidets. It's all the same area. It's just a different purpose. And you, listeners, you're into interesting gadgets. You've either tried one, or you've thought about trying one, or you've never heard of one, and suddenly this whole world is going to be opened up to you if you have experiences with bidets don't write to me and tell me about them (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to know about that so that's been our update yes welcome thank you for welcome what the frick welcome (laughs) welcome to the end of this podcast (laughs) so thank you for taking this meandering trip with us I don't know if it's meandering as much as careening, (laughs) careening down a steep, windy path of weirdness from the Great British Baking Show and rope harnesses through the Count the Sex Toy game and D&D, tentacle dildos and bidets. This is a pretty good overview of what life is like here on this podcast (laughs) we hope you've enjoyed yourself if you have please leave us a good review on itunes recommend us to the friends that you think would enjoy this podcast just give us a nice review wherever your podcatcher is it all helps us find new listeners and helps new listeners find us you can also email us at comeandplaypodcast at gmail.com and find us on social media I'm eliawinters.com and pretty much everywhere on social media. Pretty much everywhere on social media, I'm Kismet Scribbles. That's Kismet with a Y. And we're so happy you tuned in today. As always, stay geeky and kinky. Come and Play Podcast is produced by Elia Winters. Hosts are Elia Winters and Kismet Scribbles. You can find more about Elia on eliawinters.com. And check out more about Kismet on Instagram. That's Kismet Scribbles with a Y. Like the hosts of this podcast, the theme music is So Easy. It's by Jazzar and is being used under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Check out more about Jazzar on betterwithmusic.com.